Coronavirus never exactly went away, but it's back stronger than ever thanks to the Delta variant. Medical and government officials blame the rise largely on one group, the unvaccinated. So a debate that has persisted throughout the pandemic is now raging hotter than ever. The shaming people convince those folks to finally take the shot, especially when it's communities of color? I'm Gustav Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Today is Monday, August 2nd, 2021. A nationwide ban on evictions is now over and millions of American renters are now at risk of getting booted from their homes. Poachers are laying waste to succulents in South Africa. And there's been yet another possible sighting of a jetpacker near LAX. Hey, as long as it's not Elon Branzos, we're fine. Today, we talk about what's being done to increase vaccinations among Blacks and Latinos. The two groups have suffered inordinately from COVID-19, yet they don't have nearly the same shot rates as whites and other groups. We talked to two of my LA Times colleagues. Reporter Brittany Mejia recently attended a vaccination event in a working class Latino neighborhood in LA and talked to people about what finally convinced them to take the Fauci owie. And I have a chat with my fellow columnist, Erica D. Smith, about whether shame can convince the vaccine hesitant to get a shot. She says no. I say yes. ¿Y qué era la motivación para usted llegar hoy a tomar la vacuna? La motivación, ¿qué? Pues, de que donde yo voy a la iglesia, ¿verdad? That was 55-year-old Socorro Santa Maria telling LA Times reporter Brittany Mejia what motivated her to finally get vaccinated. In Socorro's case, her pastor told her it was okay and it was actually advisable to. Last month, Brittany was at a vaccination event in the Pico Union neighborhood of Los Angeles. She joins us now. Brittany, welcome to The Times. Thanks so much for having me. What was the event that you went to? Yeah, so I went to a vaccine clinic kind of pop-up that happened at Pico Union Project, a nonprofit in the Pico Union neighborhood. And it was basically just vaccines and testing going on from like 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. So I got there pretty early and was just hanging out for the day to chat with people about why they waited so long to get vaccinated. But it was more than just people lining up, get a shot. There was food, there was music. I, I heard some of your tape. You have Suavemente by Elvis Crespo playing in the background. Right. Yes, there was music playing. So there was a food distribution happening at the same time. And that's a regular weekly event. So the thought was, if they paired it up with this food distribution, that maybe they would get more people, you know, who would leave the food distribution line or, you know, just go get vaccinated first and then go get food, which did happen in some of the cases. But yes, it was definitely a vibe. Suavemente, other music, like more modern type music was playing as well. So I think it was all an effort to kind of put people at ease, get people to come out and kind of boost our vaccination numbers. And what are those vaccination rates right now for Latinos in L.A. County and in the U.S. in general? Yeah, so right now in L.A. County, those L.A. County residents who have received at least one dose are 56 percent. Comparatively for white residents, it's 67 percent have received at least one dose. Then nationwide, actually, it's worse. Like uh, Latinos, 16 percent were Hispanic who had received at least one dose of the vaccine. I mean, we're doing better, obviously, like we're faring better than the nationwide numbers, but we're really trailing white residents. And even in L.A. County, though, there's still that lag. And this also happens in the black community. So the experts, what do they say specific? Like, are, are there any specific phenomenons going on with Latinos that make them more vaccine hesitant than, say, other folks? 
Yeah, so it's really interesting. Kaiser Health News released this survey, and the survey was basically looking at what some of the hesitation was. And it was a pretty high amount of Latinos who said that they wanted to get vaccinated, but it was varying reasons why they didn't. In a lot of the cases, it was access. And that was one of the things I was seeing, to like access, convenience. When I was doing interviews, there was someone there who just hadn't had time, didn't want to take a day off of working, doing deliveries, and just so happened to be in the neighborhood, saw the sign that said, you know, free COVID vaccine, and decided to just give up his lunch break that day and just get vaccinated right then and there. We'll be right back. So, Brittany, before the break, you were talking about this pop-up event in Pico Union that you attended of people who were just getting vaccinated. Who were some of the people that you encountered? Yeah, so when I was in Pico Union, one of the first people I spoke to was Erica Milan, a high school teacher. She held off on getting vaccinated because she thought there wasn't enough research on what a vaccine might do to people. But now that she's returning to school... Like right now, I'm going to be exposed to more people and there's more people that are being irresponsible, going to parties and stuff like that in our family. There's people who have the vaccine and they feel they can be free and about. And from what I've read, even with the vaccine, you can still spread the virus. You're going to be good yourself, but you can still spread it. So I'm like, essentially, they can spread it to me, you know? Right, right. So I'm not exposing myself, but I could be exposed based on the people I'm around. So I'm you know, when I first encountered her, she was sitting at a table and they were asking her, you know, are you here for the Pfizer? And she was like, yes, unless you have proof that I shouldn't get it. And she was obviously very, very hesitant. I think even when they were going to give her the shot, she questioned whether it was actually the Pfizer vaccine and double checked to make sure. Yeah. And reading your story, you had this great scene of her like fidgeting with her pink nails because she was so nervous about it. But then she ended up getting the vaccine. So was her response typical then of the people that you talked to that day? Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, these are really the stragglers. It wasn't surprising to me to see kind of like a nervous energy around people who had shown up because they had put it off for so long and then were finally convinced. But I think a lot of people still had reservations, but, you know, ultimately decided that this was the best bet. So back to the experts, and you mentioned earlier Kaiser Health News. Uh, what do they and other folks say is the best way to get those Latino stragglers, the people who haven't gotten the vaccine, what should be done to get them vaccinated? I think definitely a lot more conversations in the community, like bringing the vaccine to the people, I think is one of the most effective ways is what I'm hearing. You know, I talked to, you know, a professor who was telling me that she's done webinars and she's getting still questions from people. And a lot of Latinos were impacted really hard by COVID. A lot of them already had it. So in some of their minds, it's like, well, I already had it. You know, I, I don't need to get vaccinated. I heard that a lot at the vaccine clinic. I think there just needs to be more conversations around, we don't know how long that immunity lasts. Like, it's better to just get vaccinated, regardless of whether you've had COVID. So I think those conversations, I think people are still on edge a little bit, like, is there a cost, you know, access? Like, I don't whether that's bringing it to companies, to factories, to places where people work to try and get them vaccinated. I think it's just going to take more out-of-the-box thinking. It, it seems to be the no shaming at all, just all reaching people to where they're at instead of saying like, no, how dare you? How dare you uh, not take the vaccine? Yeah, I think it's so much easier to shame people and to, th- and to write everyone off as just... I'm quoting this like idiots, but I mean, it's harder to do the work to actually talk people through their fears, talk them through what's going on. Because I interviewed people. It was so fascinating to hear telling me I watch Univision 
And I saw someone talk about how he waited and was on the fence and then got the Delta variant. And this one woman w- told me, like, that's what got me. Like, that's what made me change my mind because I was waiting. I just have been on the fence going back and forth about what to do. And her sister's kids had been sharing misinformation around the vaccine. And so that's another huge barrier that we need to take into consideration. I'm sure your family got this. I wrote about my dad where they hear it from a, un compadre, a friend saying, oh, no, you know, you're going to die if you get the vaccine. So what are experts saying specifically about fighting that misinformation? Right. I mean, this is coming up a lot. I, or, you know, if I get the vaccine, I don't want to be a zombie. That's one I was hearing also um, when I was at this clinic. I really think it's having more, again, having more conversations, especially from someone who is in the community, like community clinics, hospital workers, like this professor, you know, I spoke with, she's Latina too. And so she's like, I do these webinars. I do them in Spanish. I have these conversations kind of challenging that misinformation. She was saying some of the things that had come up. One of them was about a chip, you know, which I had heard actually from my uncle. (laughs) My dad. Yeah. And so while I was at Pico Union, that's exactly what I saw. Um, One of the people I talked to was Jennifer Pajunia. I mean, I had COVID back in October, so I knew it's something real. But I kept thinking like, okay, I already had it. What's the point of me getting it if I already had it? Like I have the antibodies for it. But then um, I started to feel a little bit sick two weeks ago. And then so did my family. And then I thought to myself, like, I'm tired of like being scared and wondering if it's COVID or not. So I might as well just get vaccinated to avoid that and just feeling like, okay, if you're sick, it's because you're sick. It's not because you have COVID. Mm -hmm. So that was part of it too. It was interesting talking to Jennifer because she was, you know, on the younger side. She was like 27. And those are some of the ones where we've stalled on getting younger people vaccinated. Uh, And so it was fascinating kind of hearing from her and what had changed her mind because I think her mentality is kind of the same. Like I had COVID and kind of holding off and feeling like I'm safe. Like I have antibodies, like I have immunity. And so that definitely is one of the things that was coming up. And she had decided to wait it out. And then the Delta variant cases started rising. And like, I'm tired of all the talks about like, don't get vaccinated. And it's just like, I want this to be over already. It's like ridiculous at this point, you know? Yep. Yeah. Brittany, you and I and many other of our colleagues at the LA Times have covered how COVID-19 has just devastated Latinos in Southern California and beyond. In interviewing these people, especially as, you know, as you do more and more stories, have you sensed any frustration among Latinos that more of us aren't vaccinated? Oh, yeah, definitely. There is a lot of frustration. I think it's harder for people who have firsthand dealt with COVID in their own families, who have lost loved ones, who feel like family members didn't get the opportunity to get vaccinated. And so there is a frustration when they see other people not getting it. And it was what was so fascinating to me is when I was at the clinic, three of the first five people who were there to get vaccinated, two of them were from Guatemala and one was from El Salvador. And vaccination rates has had lagged so much in their countries that they decided to get vaccinated here on vacation. And so I do think that there is a frustration. I mean, if you look at Pico Union, it was completely devastated by the pandemic. And I mean, their actual their, their vaccine numbers are pretty high. It's like 60 percent have received at least one dose. So I do think that there definitely is a frustration, you know, when people have experienced it firsthand and know how dangerous it is to see that other people are not getting vaccinated.
Thank you so much for this interview, Brittany. Thanks for having me. Coming up, my colleague wants to feel more upset at the unvaccinated, but just can't. But I can. Stay tuned. Erica D. Smith is my fellow columnist for the L.A. Times California section. You might remember her from a previous episode where she followed folks in South L.A. trying to convince the vaccine hesitant to get a shot. Last week, she wrote a column titled, I wish I could be angry with the unvaccinated. Being black makes that complicated. It's the opposite of a column I did late last year titled, Don't be a pandejo. Take the pandemic seriously. And in case you're not up on your coronavirus lingo, pandejo is a Spanglish version of covidiot. It's a combination of pandemic and pendejo, which means dumb in Mexican Spanish. I didn't invent the term pandejo, but I sure as hell am trying to make it popular. On that note, Erica, welcome to The Times. Thanks for having me. First off, the stats. What are the vaccination rates for the Black community in L.A. County and the rest of the United States? Well, of course, there's no simple answer to that one. It's a little tricky, in part because the data collection isn't uniform and it isn't complete. Um, In L.A. County, more than half of Black residents remain unvaccinated, is a general thinking, although the race of about 15% of the people who have been vaccinated remains unknown. Meanwhile, nationally, it's also a little bit even more tricky because there's what the CDC collects, there's also what the states are collecting and whether those are being combined. But in general, the percentages kind of hold up and basically about less than half of Black people remain unvaccinated. And there is that lag compared to whites. And what do medical experts say is a reason for that lag? Well, and there's a number of different reasons, and I think that it's evolved over the pandemic, but the general reason is systemic racism within healthcare. Um, And that's something that's both historic and current. I think initially when the pandemic started, everybody was looking back to the Tuskegee syphilis study and all these other things that have happened decades ago as a source of distrust among the Black community. But I think as the pandemic has continued and vaccines have rolled out, I mean, it's become very clear that there's just actual current stuff. Black Americans still don't have access to adequate care as opposed to white Americans. There's all sorts of disparities, particularly in maternal death rates. We don't have enough doctors who are Black or Latino, so people can't see doctors that look like them. And there's been plenty of research showing that people get better care when they have doctors who look like them and they can identify with. And there's also just the factor that early in the pandemic, we didn't roll out testing or vaccines in the same way. And so there was an uneven distribution. So there's still this idea of we're catching up. There's been over a year of efforts to improve that disparity in Black and Latino communities, especially. What do experts say now is the best way at this point to get vaccine hesitant people of color to take the shot? Well, it's not calling them a pendejo. In general, (laughs) it's basically don't yell at them or make them feel stupid. Be calm. Hear people out. Share your experiences as a vaccinated person, like what made you do it? What was the shot like? Where did you go? Basic information like that. But also really connect people with a doctor or with a vaccination site because it can't be stated enough that a lot of people just don't have access to a primary care physician. And so when we say go get vaccinated, you're oftentimes talking about people who haven't been to the doctor in five, 10 years. And so the idea of going to get a shot just is even more scary because they are not used to the medical environment. Yeah, the vaccination rate for Latinos is only slightly better than for Black folks. And both you and I and so many in our respective communities are outraged about this disparity. And for both of us, it actually starts at home with our own family and friends. So what sparked your column about COVID shaming was a recent visit back to your native Ohio, where you met up with family, friends, and you were saddened and upset that loved ones weren't vaccinated. 
Yeah, I didn't really know what to expect when I was going to go to Ohio. I mean, I hoped that, you know, the people that were closest to me had been smart about it. I knew my parents and my other relatives that I'm closer to had been vaccinated, but I didn't realize how many of my extended network, um, people I don't see every year, talk to every month, hadn't been vaccinated. And then I was just kind of appalled at the level of knowledge about not understanding how this works. So I have a friend who works in the medical field and she has refused to get vaccinated. And her reasoning was something along the lines of she's basically scared of what the long-term side effects are going to be. She doesn't know what's in the vaccine. She's skeptical of the science. So I talked to her a little bit about my experience, how I've been vaccinated for several months, what my side effects were. And she still just kind of shook her head and said that she read stuff elsewhere and wasn't really sure. So I got a lot of that when I was there from friends and from family. Yeah, family motivated me for my column, my dad actually specifically. And I don't know what the reasons in vaccinating your life gave to you, but did any of your friends or family say that they wouldn't get COVID because they had strong blood? No, I didn't hear that one. How about the Bill Gates microchip conspiracy? You know, I heard that one about six months ago, but I hadn't heard it this time (laughs) around. So I felt like that was progress. How how about that? If you're happy, you just won't ever get sick. No, haven't heard that one either. (laughs) Well, that was all my dad. You know, when I see people not wanting to take the vaccine and just give excuses, I just think they're dumb at this point. I I think we should call people dumb. And I know I'm sounding like Joe Biden. There's a lot of fear and misinformation in the country, and we need to cut through it. And especially California Governor Gavin Newsom. We are exhausted, respectfully, exhausted by the ideological prism that too many Americans are living under. Our communities are getting killed literally and figuratively by COVID, and yet not enough of us are getting vaccinated. So I hear what Biden and Newsom are saying, but you actually said earlier, no pandejos, but why? I mean, I guess it's, I'm going to follow the advice of the people who have been on the ground. And I've been talking to folks in South LA since the beginning of all of this about what works and what doesn't work. And it's also just what I've seen. I mean, I I honestly like to believe that if I had more time with, say, some of my cousins to convince them over the course of two weeks, I think I could. Um, maybe that's me being, you know, the hubris in me and me thinking that I could do something that I can't. But I do know that, like, yelling at them did not work so well. Though I'm, I, I share your aggravation and frustration because, yeah, I see people of color being killed, you know, far more and aren't getting vaccinated nearly the rate that they should. So I'm pissed too. This is what gets me. Like, I get black and brown folks, if they don't trust government or doctors, you know, deep mistrust over past traumas, totally get that. But you and I have both done about stories, you know, folks asking, pleading really with neighbors to get vaccinated. And these are not, uh, you know, people from the medical community. They're volunteers, working class people, the very people being hit hardest. And if you're not going to listen to your own friends and families and neighbors, well, at that point, shouldn't we call the people who won't listen pandejos? I mean, we can. I just don't know if it's going to be effective. I know that calling people a pandejo will make you feel better and it probably would make me feel better, but I don't think it's actually going to solve our problem, which at this point, I'm more concerned with the Delta variant in circulation ripping through the unvaccinated black and brown communities. I'm more concerned with what's effective than making myself feel better. I'm just frustrated We've been asking people nicely. We're calling people we're not getting vaccines, vaccine hesitant. We're being so polite. I'm frustrated. I, I think at this point, just yell at them, call them pandejos, make them happen. Hopefully it'll break through to some more people. And even if it's just one person that you could get vaccinated, well, it's more than the nice approach has done so far. And I know it's not rational, but a year later, I mean, we've moved some of the needle, but you still have that disparity. It just it frustrates the hell out of me. 
No, it really does. I mean, but I will say that, you know, some of the more recent data, and I don't know if it's because people are actually starting to get scared about the Delta variant or if, you know, people's family members who are begging and pleading is having a difference, but more Black and Latino people are getting vaccinated right now at a higher rate. No, it's nowhere near what it should be, but there is an uptick in that. And also, I think back to when I was on The Times the last time, and after I'd followed around these volunteers in parts of South LA, and I listened to them talk you know, to people, and they did convince some people. So I, I see that it can work. It's just going to take patience. It, it reminds me, and, you know, in one of the columns that I did, a professor at Cal State Fullerton, Alejandro Jose Gradilla, he was talking about the last time there was a huge pandemic was, you know, AIDS, and that shaming people for their activity, it didn't work at all. And instead, what he advocated for, and also other health advocates say, is meet people where they're at. And I think Dr. Anthony Fauci has spoken about that. Like, go to where LGBT folks are, go to the bars, give them the literature, talk to them like and obviously the age rates fell down it's not completely uh, done yet but mm-hmm. that's what they say i guess yeah i mean i i'd like to think that we learned some things from the aids hiv epidemic at the time sometimes i question whether we did um just about how we approached earlier on where we had this kind of absolute vision like absolutely do this absolutely don't do that as opposed to taking you know more of a moderate approach in the sense of like understanding how people are likely to behave and adjusting to that. And I think that we're kind of suffering from that still. We don't, we're not looking at this realistically and we have to go out in the communities. We have to go to people where they are. We have to talk to them. We have to do it more than once. But more than anything, we have to understand that just because, sounds crazy, but just because it's a pandemic, you can't undo decades worth of systemic racism in six months or a year. It's going to take longer and it never was not going to take longer. It's just that now we're in that point where the broader society is seeing how much longer it's going to take and they're getting very frustrated and impatient. And I get that, but the circumstances were the same as they were a year ago. We still had all these things that have happened in this country and you can't undo that like overnight. Yeah, you know, and I talk a big talk too, because on Twitter, I'm calling people pandejo all the time, getting fights with them. But my dad was the biggest pandejo of them all. Like, again, strong blood. That's probably one of the most weak salsa excuses I've ever heard for not getting coronavirus. But I eventually ended up convincing my dad. And, you know, the way I did it, I hate to say it, it's so cheesy, but honestly, love. I told my dad, look, if you love your family, if you love my abuelita, you have to take the vaccine. And that's when it finally settled in on him saying like, oh, it's not just about me. It's not just about my own uh, mind. It's everyone else. So is that really the best way? I know it's a cheesy strategy, but is love the best way to get more <laughs> Blacks and Latinos vaccinated? I think it's a good way. I think it can definitely make a difference. But I'm being the more of the pragmatist. I'm also on the ability being like, okay, if you can't live your life the way you've been living it, like if you can't go to the mall, if you can't go to the club, if you can't go to the bar, if you can't go to the grocery store without showing proof of vaccination, I think that's what's actually going to move people in the right direction. Because as long as people can continue to live their life unvaccinated, like everybody else lives their life vaccinated, we're not going to have that change. And so I am very much... Um, in favor of a lot of the vaccine mandates that are being talked about right now. Um, Because I do think, even in my travels in Ohio, the people I know who were hesitant that did get vaccinated, a lot of them got vaccinated, they go back to school or because their jobs required it. So I think that's going to be the best and most efficient way to do it. But, you know, love's a good backup. Thanks so much for this conversation, Erica. Thanks for having me on Times. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. 
Tomorrow on the show, historically black colleges and universities seek to revolutionize golf. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn and Denise Guerra. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb. Our intern is Ashley Brown, and our theme music is by Andrew Epen. Special thanks to Asal Asanipur and Heba Alborani. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this madre. Gracias. <laughs>